evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider, that bad boy, 1,100 miles south-southeast of me. It's Kip Fisher. We are coming to you live for the 105th time on this 6th day of March, 2015. And I am joined by my esteemed co-host, Mr. Fisher, who I will hand the microphone over to right now because I'm tired and he'll take over the rest of the show. Good night. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't talk that much. It'll be over in ten minutes. That's all I'm talking I got. No, it'll be two hours of video watching you smoke a cigar. Only the really <laughs> creepy listeners will tune in. <laughs> you have to edit the show down and get rid of the dead air and have a ten-minute show. Just fast forward you sucking down that cigar for two hours into like a ten-minute show. <laughs> uh, how are you, buddy? No, yeah, I'm all right, I reckon. Got no complaints because nobody listens. <laughs> that sounds like a Willie Nelson song. I got no complaints because nobody listens. And my dog died. <laughs> hey, what's his... Uh, oh, I don't think it's his song. I think he uh, sang someone else's, but it's uh, the worst thing I needed the first thing this morning. I think that's what it is. I got nothing. Oh, it's there. just it's. I don't listen. It's, to I'm not a country guy, but Willie Nelson just kind of is transcendent of, of genre. I don't know. He's okay. more. Uh, he, he's more uh, American cultural than he is uh, Southern rebel music to me. But he's southwestern country, I guess. It's uh, it's just funny. It's, you know, you walked out on me. Uh, I spilled my breakfast. It was raining. My car broke down. I mean, it was. It's just like everything about the, the uh, typical horrible old school country song. I love it. Country blues. I've somehow missed that song. I'm not familiar at all. Oh, it's it's a great one. Right up there with Poncho and Lefty. <laughs> I can't make my camera focus on this cigar. Oh, yeah, sorry. What uh, what cigar are we having this evening, sir? Oh, yeah, we are smoking the La Flor Dominicana 1994. One a recent addition to their lineup. I'm going to talk about the whole description later. Very cool. Sorry, I got I got off the notes there for a second. No, no problem. So, I guess few details about the cigar. This this came out this past year, uh, post-IPCPR in 2014, and it was uh, in commemoration and celebration of Lito Gomez family 20 years in the cigar business. Uh, of course, we've talked before that their original company was not La Flor Dominicana. It was, uh, was it Los Libertadores or something like that. Um, but it's 20 years in the business, and so this, this was to commemorate that. Uh, it's a four Vitola line. Uh, if I can get this to refocus on the band, you can kind of see there what the band looks like. And uh, the even five. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, it reportedly or allegedly comes in four Vitolas: the uh, Conga five, which is five by fifty-two; the Aldaba, which is six by fifty-eight; Roomba. Is six and a half by fifty-two, and the Mambo seven by fifty-four. Uh, additionally, there is a or was a limited run of a Maduro version of this same cigar, 
that came in beer steins, which was a really nice big ceramic uh, beer stein, which was really kind of cool. And uh, with, with one minor difference, it, like I said, it had a Maduro wrapper. And this is kind of a neat aspect of this line. That beer stein version had a Maduro version of the same wrapper leaf we're smoking tonight. What we're smoking tonight is called natural, although if you were going simply by color rather than fermentation, it, it was very close to Maduro. Um, but it is, again, allegedly a natural version of the same wrapper. Um, after smoking a dozen or more, probably more by this point, of these, I've, I've uh, had some mixed feelings and wondering opinions about the cigar, but we'll talk a little more of that at, about that as the show goes on. They range 650 to $7 a stick in Tampa. You can adjust that for your local taxes. Come in boxes of 20. Uh, the Beer Stein edition was, like I mentioned, a limited run, and they have given untold different numbers for production uh, quantities on that on that cigar, anywhere from three to ten thousand, so some somewhere in there. And they ran for about 225 bucks for the Stein and and 20 cigars. Uh, but what Craig was uh, alluding to momentarily ago is the cigar I have tonight, and he has one also. Is six inches long and way the half. I'm sorry, six and a half inches and way the heck bigger than a 52, which is the only cigar in that line that should be six and a half inches long. This is uh, over the line on my little gauge for a 56 and will comfortably sit in the 58, uh, which would make it the Aldaba, although that cigar should only be six inches long and this one is six and a half. So I'm not really clear on what we have here and why their numbers don't don't really match up, but it is what it is, and I'm gonna smoke it. And uh, it, it should be stated here that my <coughs> um, Roomba, which is what I'm smoking, the six and a half by fifty-two, is much much closer to a fifty-four than it is a fifty-two. I can't even fit it into my fifty-two gauge past the shoulder. It's it's definitely larger than a 52, and the 54 it slides into and is just about perfect. I don't know if you can see that, just the slightest bit of wiggle room in there. So, not yeah. that that's as out of place as a half inch extra on the cigar, but uh, nonetheless, there's there's a little bit of funky stuff going on here. So it's just kind of yeah. funny to uh, to notice that. I'm going to call it a 56 instead of a 52. I mean, the, the dang ash is still covering the line on the 54, and it's smaller than the, the cigar. Hmm. Tis what tis. Well, this is <clears throat> this cigar itself is very cool to me because of the, the idea that uh, it's the same wrapper leaf just taken to a different level of fermentation. Um mm -hmm or a different level of processing through fermentation. I, I really like that uh, that uh, kind of spin on things here. And, uh, you know, both of us are smoking the natural version, the non-beer stein uh, cigar. But nevertheless, it's, uh, it's something cool that I am intrigued by. I like that kind of uh, tobacco geekery. We talked a little bit before about there being a touch of a difference between a cigar guy and a tobacco guy. And uh, that puts a smile on the face of me, the tobacco geek. Yeah, I, I would have liked to have gotten uh, some of the Stein version. 
just to compare the two, but uh, none of the retailers in Tampa wanted to break them up. Of course, they just wanted to sell the thing as a unit. Um, I don't even know if there's some still around, but I, I do know there was a retailer in your neck of the woods uh, several years ago when they put out the uh, the little tobacco hut humidor cigar mm-hmm. box for the the Maduro Airbender. Um, that retailer up there by you actually sold Jack those Schwartz, off. Right? Yeah, as Jack Schwartz sold them individually, and I sent those in as an unbanded on Dog Watch right near the end. Did you really? I did. Oh, that's right, because I think I ended up getting some of those unbanded and never knew what they were. And, I think and we've Bob, had this conversation before. Bob nailed it. He knew exactly what that cigar was. Really? And I don't remember that. Smoked it. Yeah, he never even smoked it. He, he just figured it out. Wow. Bravo to him, I guess. Go out with a bang. Yeah. Hmm. Very cool. Well, this is uh, this is not the Maduro version, as we've said probably more times than we needed to uh, <laughs> thus far. But um, I am I, I lit up before we started. I'm about an inch into it, maybe a touch less on one side of the cigar versus the other, and am am struggling to. I'm not struggling. Isn't the right word. I'm um, making an effort to try to find some. Congruency, that's a good word. I'll steal that from you. With the other uh, cigars that La Florida Minicana has released. And I'm also trying to find some independence or how they've kind of broken away or decided to uh, let this cigar, let this blend stand out. Um, and I'm not really finding it right now. This, to me, just... it. I would probably say, you know, that that definitely tastes like it could be an LFD, um, but I'm not seeing enough of a definite. Um, uh, what do I want to say? There's nothing that's kind of in tune with the other cigars that have come from them that I'm immediately striking out and drawing a uh, correlation to. But at the same time, there's nothing that's oh man, this is of a higher quality or it seems like it's more suave like we talked about with the uh, some of the Casa Fernandez limited releases that we've reviewed here on the show I don't know I'm 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 just feeling like this doesn't have the uh, the personality that I was expecting from a special release from LFD well just to clarify the Stein version was a limited special release this will be full-time regular production Understood. Um, I can, you know, if somebody handed this to me unbanded, there's not much chance I would figure out it's La Florida Minicana. But they actually have a little more variation than I might normally think after kind of smoking a few of their other offerings. But I could probably draw some correlation to the Airbender that I just mentioned a minute ago. Some of that, you know, that sweeter, almost bready at times kind of flavor. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely still has some, still will pull out a you know a bit of a salivary response. I can definitely see that it does have those those um, similarities too, but it's not to me like there's something about the Airbender that that still feels like um, I used to call them little diggers, and I don't know what uh, what the actual Vitola is, but the tiny little perfecto chisel tip. 
uh, from LFD, the LFD Lajero, the, the little guy. I, I don't recall the uh, the actual mm -hmm. Vitola name. Um, I smoked a lot of those. I smoke a lot of Airbenders. Um, there's there's a congruency that runs through those cigars that just smacks me of LFD. This doesn't seem to have that. It doesn't seem to line up with the 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 company as a whole. They're kind of blending style, if that makes sense. While I do get at times a little bit of that kind of yeasty sweetness, I only really see that in the Airbenders. This isn't that isn't something that screams LFD. That screams Airbender to me, and I've got a little bit of that with this. So it's it's just it's not the cigar that I expected. I thought there would be just a little bit more to it. So. But, you know, I'm an inch into it at this point. We'll see how it goes from here. Yeah. Phoenix smoked in the chat room said you're talking about the Chisolito. Chisolito, okay. You couldn't figure that out, little chisel. <laughs> well, I, uh, it makes sense. We just always called it the, the digger. I don't know why. No, the digger is that big giant thing. It's like 8 by 60 or some ridiculous thing. I thought we called it the digger. I don't know. Uh, the digger not. from La Florida Minicana is a big, honking, strong cigar. Yeah, anyway, you know, if you take this cigar and draw some smoke and give it just a couple extra seconds before you retrohale, just let it kind of sit there for a minute. For me, anyway, it, it gives a almost a a berry kind of sweetness. But you got to give it just that extra couple of seconds. Kind of thinking. Not the best radio if you do that. <laughs> well, you, you could have been doing that while I was talking to give you that chance, but <laughs> I I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I uh, I'll I'll look for that, but I'm not. That doesn't stand out to me as being kind of a berry type flavor. We'll see how it goes. Well. You have I'll tell you if you're crazy later right on. <laughs> you won't be telling me anything. I don't already know. You know what I think would be really good with this, actually? What's that? Um, it does have kind of a an earthiness to it that is very, very similar to uh, a style of, of flavor that I get from um, Sumatran coffee. I don't know if you if you if you smoke single origin coffee or are you you're a Dunkin' Donuts. I tend not to smoke my coffee. <laughs> oh, good gracious! Yeah, it's like going out to cigar fields. Um, stay lit worth a crap. <laughs> um, have you ever brewed and then subsequently drunk or drank drunk? Yeah, drunk's the right word. Um, Sumatran coffee. I have, but I wouldn't know it if I were to drink it again without somebody telling me. I'm just not well-versed in the intricacies of coffee. I mean, I like coffee, and I love, I love coffee, but I'm just not well-versed. You should uh, you should brew yourself. Just take a little French press or however you want to brew a couple individual cups of coffee and take your supermarket or DD coffee Make yourself a cup, and then next time I buy some some Twin Engines coffee, Sumatran. Well, that Twin Engines doesn't have Sumatran coffee; they have Nicaraguan. Uh, but either way, next time I have some Sumatran coffee, 
uh, I might just send you some so you can do this little experiment. There is a, a sensation of how the flavor is perceived that absolutely is nailed with this cigar. Coffee would go great with it, I think. Interesting. I, I, it's, I'm not somebody who can regularly pair or find a, an appropriate pairing and say this will be perfect with it. That's a, that's a Cigar Federation show. This, to me, is, is just something that screams that it could work well. Hmm. I uh, would not be averse to, to doing that. Hmm. This thing is actually burning beautifully. I don't want to focus on that. But see that? That's about as straight as it gets. That is very straight. Wow, that's, uh, your camera is adjusted perfectly. Yeah, you just got to get real close and then back off a little bit and it'll figure it out. <coughs> wow. <laughs> it was 30 it's like seconds. It just needed some, it needed some training there. <laughs> you didn't get that at all for the first 100 episodes. I sure did. You just didn't look at the camera. You you turn off of me. You don't want to see my ugly face. Folks in the chat room, who can blame me? Eh? Am I right? Jeez. Ay, ay, ay. All right. What else we got going on here tonight? You know, I will uh, I will circle back to your comment about letting uh, the smoke kind of linger uh, before you do a retro hail, and I will say that it becomes much more uh, citrusy when I do that. There's much more of like a citrus oil. It's not berry-like, but it, like a, you know, rolling around a, a a lemon on a countertop to try to loosen up the the juice. You get that lemon oil, that citrus oil that comes off the skin. It's very, very much like that aromatic uh, aroma. Yeah, and actually I uh, did a review for the Vitola you're smoking right now, and I remember uh, making some notations about citrus coming through in that one. I'm not getting in this one at all, this bigger size. I knocked the ash off, and the that, that thing, that's a, just about as good as it gets. I'm, I'm impressed with the construction. I'm not a big fan of this gargantuan ring gauge and I said before the show started I felt like I was trying to smoke a volleyball and that, that's holding true but it's it's, it's actually behaving quite well. Hmm. well mine had a little uh, trail on one side it has um, touched itself up but it by no means is is a straight burn I don't know if mine's going to focus but I mean, you can at least see that as this is going around, there's lots of peaks and valleys. Yeah, probably. what are you doing wrong? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, I yeah, kid, yeah. I kid. Want to do a little news? Before we do a little news, why don't you tell us what else has been up this week for you? You've uh, you've tinkered a bit. I did tinker a bit. I don't know. That probably means something in the UK or something. I'm probably violating some... <laughs> International broadcast laws. I don't know. Either that, or we're going to get a whole lot of really confused listeners who think we're a different type of show. <laughs> uh, yeah, tinkered a little bit with the website, made a, a new landing page that doesn't quite look as much like a uh, typical list of blog entries. Uh, so, folks can go check that out. It's it's a work in progress. Still making some more. Changes and refinements. I've uh, got a lot more information on that page now if you bother to peruse it. But uh, 
I don't know. It's something to do. Something to keep it interesting. Well, I I love it. Uh, you know, we we our previous um, homepage was much more of uh, just a, an introduction into what was new. What was a new post on the website? It wasn't really a landing page that gave you an introduction to everything. And I didn't realize that you know having one kind of uh, <clears throat> all-encompassing homepage would be beneficial or nice until I saw it but you know if you look at websites and successful websites um, you tend to see that there is a landing page it's just a more professional more beautiful and and uh, interesting way of uh, presenting ourselves so I gotta thank you for that I I really think it looks great and I like the uh, the benefit that it gives us so yeah kudos to you thank you I like it I still think we can Tinker a little more, make it maybe a little more useful. But I like having the more information right up front. It's the first thing people see when they open it up, rather than just a a list of stories the way it has been for the past couple of years. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, you said it, and I cut you off. But it might be time now for news. Okie doke. We got a. An item here, I just saw a post-up, and we've talked a couple of times recently about Jeff Borshewitz, the owner of Corona, who is, in the near future, opening a Davidoff lounge in Tampa. But he owns Corona Cigar in Orlando, which is a chain of three stores. Uh, and to say three stores is misleading, because they're, they're three really nice stores who does a really brisk business, even on a national level. But uh, anyway, he's been working for the past couple of years on growing tobacco in the state of Florida, uh, specifically Claremont, which is mm, 20 miles east of me, maybe not very far away at all. And we've talked about that several times and what they were going through and this and that. And, and I guess we're, we're getting close to the, the drop date on those. And when I say close, I mean it's still a matter of months probably. But he put a picture up this week of a sample blend uh, and it looks like they're getting close to narrowing that down to something final of what's going to end up being put out and, and, and you know it's, it's kind of a big deal for him and for the industry as well well nothing else it ought to the first time in four decades a, a you know a sizable amount or a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for and a, a more cigar leaf cigar leaf's not been grown here in, in a very long time and so it was a big deal to bring that back and, and grow what he's calling Florida sun-grown tobacco. Uh, this first crop was from 2013 and now they're getting close to uh, putting these cigars into the marketplace and I didn't realize this but he says there was less than 800 pounds of this this first crop so it will truly be a micro blend and I can only assume it will only be, ava be available through Corona. But sometime in the near future, says he's going to be ready to share these cigars and the fruits of their labor. Uh, there being Corona and Drew Estate. Drew Estate has actually taken this leaf and put together a blend for them. Uh, maybe in a couple of blends, if I'm remembering right. A couple of different cigars that are going to come out of that. So it's really cool. I hope it hits the market before I get out of the state of Florida. I, I would like to at least give it a try. 
Now, how well do you know Jeff? I mean, if you walked into oh. Corona, would he say hello to you? Hey, how are you, my man? No, not at all. I mean, he, he'd be cordial, but I don't know him. I've met him a couple of times and spent a fair amount of time in his stores, but it's not a regular stop for me. I mean, Corona, the, the shops are an hour, an hour and a half for me, and I just don't get over there that much. I did 10 years ago when my kids were small and we were at Disney with some regularity and that kind of thing, but I just don't make it over there in that part of that neck of the woods too often these days. Well, interesting. I, uh, 800 pounds really is not very much when you think about it, but uh, man, oh man, I, I'll i be interested to see what they come out with. If this is just going to be a quarter leaf in some uh, you know, big special uh, release they have, or is it going to be something that uh, really kind of takes center stage and they do it very limited? I'll, I'll be very interested to hear that. Yeah, I would really like to see it play a prominent role in a blend. I hope it's not just like that, just a quarter leaf stuck in there that really makes no big impact. I would like, if nothing else, just to to satisfy my curiosity of how it turned out, you know, just to, to get to, to sample that tobacco. I wonder, you know... If you're going to grow it and if you're going to make a big deal out of it, I wonder if you would ever do something like what R&D Cigars uh, does where you can actually let people know what it is that they're smoking. Let them try that special leaf. It would be really cool if Drew Estate would do something like that. It would, yeah. Know, generate buzz for this new American state that... Uh, uh, that is growing tobacco as we need to, uh, as we should all grow the uh, American tobacco industry, the American cigar tobacco industry, rather than uh, see it steadily decreasing over the years. Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, we still have Connecticut and Pennsylvania growing some tobacco, but I don't remember the numbers, but the, the number of acres that's growing cigar leaf up in Pennsylvania and Connecticut is has dwindled to very little these days. And we have Connecticut leaf from all around the world, but Connecticut, Connecticut, it's not, the, the production is just not that high anymore. And it's kind of neat to see Florida brought back into that after, you know, a few decades of, of zero production. And it, it, I'm interested also to see what these cigars are going to retail for. You know, if, if there's a sizable amount of this tobacco in the blend, that may drive up the pricing a little bit. You know, aside from the fact that it's limited, it's a special thing or whatever, but just knowing that the money involved in cultivating tobacco here versus Nicaragua or Honduras or Dominican is going to be more just because salary paid to the people doing the cultivating is going to be quite a bit more. Very true. As well as property prices for their buildings, they're they're carrying tobacco, and every everything is going to be markedly more. So I'm interested to see, you know, if it's a sizable amount of, of the tobacco contained in the cigars, how much the the price is going to be a factor. You may see something else drive that. I mean, if the tobacco is just tobacco and it's nothing crazy, I wonder if. Uh, uh, if they would really try to not put it into a high-priced cigar and go with just it as uh, essentially 
essentially just Volato, something that's in there to take up space so they can market that it's an American cigar. Yeah, that would suck. About that. that that would suck, but, I mean, you can't blame them if that's the case, you know? Right. Yeah, if it's just, eh. I guess we'll find out. If it hits the market before I'm gone, I will at least try a couple of them. What's Florida soil like? I'd imagine it's rather fertile. Um, in places, it's fertile. You know, people think of sand, but there's a lot of limestone in the soil here, uh, and especially in central Florida where this tobacco was grown. If you go down to south Florida, uh, where it used to be the river of grass, the Everglades, <laughs> before humanity got their hands on it, screwed up everything, um, the land throughout much of South Florida, especially this interior part of the state, is just so rich and black and organic soil from you know centuries and thousands of years of Everglades plants dying and falling to the bottom. It's just hundred percent organic. And so you know in places I have facilities down there I have to to visit with some regularity. And there are places where it's called muck. It's just black, muddy soil, and, and and it's 18 feet deep in places, and it's a few inches deep in other places. But you can always gauge the age of the buildings there by how much of them is out of the ground because they build the buildings on pilings, concrete pilings, and they, you know, of course, build them at grade. And as time goes by, that organic soil is still decomposing, and it shrinks down. So there are buildings that are now three or four feet out of the ground. From where wow. they were built, it, it's it's kind of a neat thing actually, and it it's used mostly it's agricultural land of course mostly sugar cane these days. Well, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I I don't know I I wonder what there's there's good tobacco minds who have listened to this show and who both of us know. I wonder what proper tobacco terroir should be you know what what what's the makeup of that soil we could talk to uh, Terry Johnson I'm sure that that he and Luis would have a very strong opinion on uh, what would constitute fertile tobacco soil every single time I drive across the sugarcane fields I wonder what tobacco would do out there I mean that that soil is so incredibly rich I would just mm -hmm. love to see it I mean, it may be crap I don't know but I always want to know. <laughs> uh, we'll know soon enough. I'm sure we can have that conversation. Now, that, that soil I'm describing is not where this tobacco was grown. Claremont is a much sandier area, uh, and actually a good portion of sand in the soil there. So I don't know what that means, what that's going to, you know, what that has done for growing tobacco. Probably more healthy crop. Drains well, can control it. Yeah, um, actually, in the uh, sugarcane fields, there are these ditches, ditches, canals that a huge network of canals throughout. And I just had always assumed those were irrigation canals, but it's not at all. They're drainage. They pump water, and that you know they they just about laser level the fields before they ever put them into use. And they're all surrounded by grids of these canals for the water to fall into the canals, and it's just to get rid of that water. It's not at all to, for irrigation. Someone from Colorado and Wyoming comes in and sheds a tear as to how they have excess water, but 
in Colorado, the, the the liquid is owned before it ever hits the ground. There's so little of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, very cool. Yeah. What else we got here? We got a story out of Pennsylvania, actually, uh, where Governor Tom Wolf has proposed uh, this next year's spending plan, a budget of about thirty billion dollars. Um, that that includes and would rely in part on some pretty hefty tobacco taxes, which is uh, something new for Pennsylvania. They, they do tax cigarettes, but historically they've had no cigar tax, uh, which has made it one of the favorable states for retailers to set up, like Cigars International, famous. Those guys are in Pennsylvania for a reason. And the proposal would actually add a 40% of cigars which is a pretty drastic increase from zero. Um, also includes a dollar a pack cigarette tax increase from $1.60 to $2.60 per pack. Um, the 40% of wholesale would go on smokeless tobacco, large cigars, which is what we're talking about on this show every week, uh, loose tobacco, and e-cigarettes, which interested me. The, I don't want to get into that. Um, the governor expects from this increase what he thinks will happen is that they will pull in a $358 million of additional revenue from the cigarette tax and about $84 million from the cigars and other tobacco products. Um, you know, the, the retail cigar industry thrives in Pennsylvania because of their lack of a cigar tax. And the, the retailers, of course, are not big fans of this plan and, and have been quick to point out that, hey, the reason this industry thrives and supplies five to six thousand people with jobs in this state are that our surrounding states drove up their cigar tax and all the retailers came to Pennsylvania for this reason. What do you think is going to happen if you add a 40% tax? We're all going to take off. And, and you know, so it's kind of up in the air. Uh, the, the retailers talked to in the article I saw uh, did not think it would pass in the, you know, in the current legislation, legislative body makeup. Um, but, it's a possibility, I suppose. It's something out there. It's another another big tax increase that at, at least is being talked about. And if it doesn't pass this time, it'll be brought back again the next time around for sure. Hmm. I, I don't even know what to add. It's just one of those situations that just seems so short-sighted. Yeah, and, you know, tax increases... Uh, kind of walk a, a, lot, a fine line anyway. You know, there you can only increase it so much before you will just lose revenue. And the idea of increasing a tax just to garner revenue it seems ludicrous to me. I mean, it should have a purpose, not just to make some more money to do whatever with. And it seems to me like there ought to be some purpose behind it. Yeah. I'm sure it'll be for the kids. <laughs> It always is. Yeah, that is the case. <laughs> Damn kids. Yeah, older kids are getting old these days. I've seen two now, two CDC studies where kids are kid smokers are anybody who has ever smoked a single cigarette under the age of twenty nine. <laughs> wow. What? What the hell? <laughs> Jeez. Uh, but 
that's where we are. Good gracious. Yeah, that that would be rough for Pennsylvania. And, you know, if making a tax, a small tax, adding that, seems like it may go over a little better, but to go from zero to 40% of wholesale, that's a big bite. And I, you know, I, I'm hopeful and would be surprised if that were to go into place. I, I don't think it'll pass through this time anyway. I guess we'll find out sometime in the near future. Well, <clears throat> it's, uh, I don't know, it just seems like another uh, political move for a politician who needs to make a name for himself, get some easy votes, and it's a simple way to do it, to go after tobacco and say that you're for the kids or for health or for what what uh, the citizens of this country want, and that just isn't the case. That's yeah. just frustrating. Yep. As soon as they get rid of us, tobacco users are going after fat people, so they just want to squash me entirely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be the Dale Gribble of the world soon. Sarkonia <laughs> Chubbs. <laughs> what else we got here got a story from Crowned Heads um, which should not be a surprise at this point they're putting out another limited release another state exclusive cigar uh, some of you may remember uh, the Tennessee Waltz which came out a few months ago now I guess And I picked up one of those at Christmas when we were in Tennessee at uh, Silo Cigars and I just smoked it recently and Really enjoyed it uh, quite a bit, actually, and I should have written some notes about it, but I did not. But I love the cigar. Um, I may have one more in there. I think I got a couple of them. But anyway, the uh, Yellow Rose is coming out. Will be as you can imagine for the state of Texas. It will be sold through Texas cigar retailers only. Uh, it's going to retail for about nine fifty a stick. Um, Shipping sometime late March, early April, and it appears to have pretty much the same blend as the Tennessee Waltz. Have a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper over a Nicaraguan binder and filler. So, those of you in the great state of Texas can be on the lookout for those if your local shop has a Crowned Heads account. Not sure what production numbers were for those. Um, the Tennessee Waltz was limited, of course, but it wasn't severely limited. It wasn't too hard to get. I'm not sure if you could still find them, but I'm sure somebody's got them out there. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm I'm just shocked that Crown Heads has another limited release. <laughs> I never saw it coming. I know they. No, I won't say it. Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, I was about to say they're they're good. They're about CAO to or Rocky Patel. I was going to say, they're about to just turn into Viaje. They seem to be modeling their whole company on limited releases these days. Oh, uh, Viaje. I can't say that. I mean, they put out the Jericho Hill, and that's a fantastic cigar, and that's regular production. Well, you're not, you're not, you know, um, downgrading Viaje as a second-class cigar brand. That's, no, not at all. That's not at all what you mean by that. I don't think that anyone would have taken it as such. No, it's just that Viaje, they... they <clears throat> to quote Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, they transmogrified their company a couple of years ago, and it's now entirely small batch stuff. And and Crowned Heads is putting out a lot of limited stuff. And whether it's limited by time or quantity or 
state or region even with the southern and northern editions of the Mason-Dixon project. It's a lot of moving and a lot of moving parts there. But we'll see what happens to it. Let's see what else we got in here. Oh, one of my favorite series of releases, uh, the EP Carrillo Short Run. We'll be, for the sixth year in a row, putting out a short-run blend for 2015. Unlike the earlier iterations, the 2015 will feature a Nicaraguan wrapper, which is a Jalapan 98 Criollo wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, and both Dominican and Nicaraguan filler leaves. Uh, it's going to be in 24-count boxes, three Vitolas, a 5x15 Napoleon, which is, I guess, a Robusto, a 6 by like that. Yeah, it is a fitting name. A 6x52 Vencedores and 6x60 Imperios. And uh, thankfully, it's not the inch again this year. I, last year's was the inch, and I did not even pick up any. Uh, not was not a fan of the inch uh, to start with, so I didn't even give the short run last year a try. But I'm interested. I I, I like the short run normally. Was not a big fan of the 2012 when it was kind of a spin-off from the New Wave Connecticut line. The 2011 has been my favorite, uh, I believe, of the whole series. I really liked it quite a bit. But uh, I like the line. I'll be I'll be trying them. That's absolutely. <clears throat> is there a common thread that runs through all the short runs? They're a short run. Small quantities. <laughs> Blend wise, <laughs> I I don't know that I know that I don't think so. I think it's been uh, what all kind of wrappers they've used on that. Connecticut, I know that the, the uh, new wave had a Connecticut wrapper on it. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I can't think of a a common thread outside of the short run, and it's usually, or maybe not even usually, sometimes a a spin-off of an existing line like the New Wave Connecticut or the 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 inch. The inch, yeah. Hmm. I never got into the inch line. And it, not even just because it's a big I, I tried to a couple of them just it just didn't didn't wow me, I suppose. Even though I am a, a huge E P Carrillo fan. Well to each his own. You probably didn't get into the East Stunner either, did you? You know what? I liked that cigar. Really? I, I refused to buy that cigar on principle alone when it came out. I thought it was <laughs> silly-looking packaging, and I was like, cigar that you want to market as if it were an energy drink to try to appeal to a younger crowd. I, 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 I deny that on principle. But I was at a shop, and, and uh, what is that guy's name? He was okay. one of the. He was a sales guy with EP Carrillo, and he went to a different company now. And I'm having trouble remembering his name. But he was there, and he gave me one to try. And I was like, man, that that's actually pretty good. And I I did get a couple of them and really enjoyed them. And then my local shop ended up blowing them out at forty percent off, and so I got what they had left, which was not much when I got there, maybe half a box, and smoked through those at the time. This has been a long time ago, a year or more. Maybe even, I guess it was a year and a half because it was Cigar Bash of 2013, so yeah, it's about a year and a half ago. Um, hmm. 
actually I did like the East Hunter. I didn't go nuts. I didn't go, you know, buy two or three boxes of them or anything. But I I, I did like that plan. Ah, hmm. uh, it's a shame. Yep. Uh, Cigar Coop's in the chat room. He just says the common thread. It's always come out in three sizes and been for the most part a one-time production run. So I think that's the only common thread we're going to be able to pick out there. Well, there you go. Do, 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 do. Let's see. Well, we got another little snippet, and I'm going through these kind of quickly because we did have several items in here tonight. But uh, got a, a little bit of a story, and seems like we talk about the next Smokey and Microblend series about every other week because they, they seem to be coming at a pretty quick clip these days. But uh, yeah. we just talked about the uh, Pope of Greenwich Village coming out of Drew Estate for that series. And it has not even hit the market yet officially. It had a soft launch at the, uh, the um, what do they call it, the Great Smoke, uh, the, the big event in South Florida a couple weeks ago. And yeah. uh, before this, that blend has even hit the ground running officially on a, a hard launch, already talking the next one, uh, which is the Little Big Delicious. And those of you who have been around since 2013 know that they had a Big Delicious at the time, which was a, a collaboration between Smoke In for this series and Room 101 slash Camacho slash Davidoff. <laughs> it's kind of a, a run of companies there. Um, and the Big Delicious was one of their earlier versions of this line, and so now the Little Big Delicious is coming in uh, pretty pretty much the same blend, Ecuador and Habano wrapper, Honduran Corojo binder, and a filler mix from Honduras, the Dominican, Brazil, and Nicaragua. So it's a pretty complicated filler blend in there. Uh, this one, however, is going to be a little smaller, as you could probably pick up from the name. It's only four and a half inches. Uh, have a little, I don't remember the exact rings. It had a two ring measurements because it's kind of tapered there. Um, but uh, so that will be the 11th, I guess, of the micro blend series. Uh, it should be coming out late this year, probably really late this year, late fall, early winter. Um, I tried the Big Delicious. I didn't give it a fair shake. I'm not going to say too much about it. I just I tried it on a, a, a day I'd already had too many cigars and was fried, and, and so I can't really speak to it. But I have generally liked the Microblend series. Not Not a huge fan of all of them, but... Most of the time, I think they come up with a good cigar. Whoever they're partnering with, whether it's Padron or Tatuaje, Fuente. I love Fuente. That was not my favorite one of this series, but you know they've 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 done several of these. Eleven now total. We'll see what happens. It seems like four in the last six months too. I know. It just seems like they're just clicking them out left and right. Well, they had the the Illusion, the Pope of Greenwich Village, this, the Little Big Delicious, and what the heck was there was a fourth one? It's right around when the Illusion version was. Oh, it'll come to me. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Oh well. Have to enlist the aid of the Google. Well, with. Uh, with the news of a cigar 
a variation of a cigar that you haven't been crazy about. Now comes the news of a variation of a cigar you are crazy about. Yeah, I am. I am a ginormous fan of the uh, Flor, Flor de las Antillas from my father. I love that blend. I love that cigar. I have at least a couple or three boxes of those in a cooler right this moment and smoke them regularly. Um, but uh, for an anniversary, the 94th anniversary for Federal Cigars in New Hampshire, they're going to put out some small amount of a Maduro version of that cigar, which interests me to no end. And don't imagine I will pick up any of those. I'm not in New Hampshire and probably not going to go through the trouble of trying to call and, and be in a race against countless other people who want to try this cigar on a, from a small run. Um, but it's coming. It's going to be, from all appearances, and what I can read from the uh, Instagram post from Cigar Jeremy, um, it's going to be at this party at this weekend on March 14th, and it's going to be available in the store. And then, according to the comments later, it should hit the website March the 16th, and I imagine it will go fairly quickly from there. And, again, I'm, I'm referencing the comments on this post, uh, but uh, it sounded like it's going to be available for this week and this celebration and then be gone for a year and a half or more before you see them again. And I don't know if that means they're going to introduce them into the marketplace on a bigger scale, but it looks like for some reason this is kind of it for the next year and a half if you want to try the uh, Maduro Flor de las Antillas. And, oh, one more thing I didn't mention, it, or I, I may have mentioned, don't remember, four and a half inches by 50, so kind of a short Robusto. Uh, and I don't know that it's limited to just that Vitola. It's just that was what was in the picture, and a picture of the box of them. The box was labeled. Hmm. Or stamped, I should say. Well... One of your go-tos to one of mine, which just happens to be the Quesada España. Uh, there is just a plethora of new España releases coming out and re-releases coming out, all in kind of limited or special sizes. So as, as infrequently as I geek out about uh, new Vitolas <clears throat> or new releases, I, I have to admit I am, I am kind of getting a little giddy about uh, the next month or so here. Casa de Monte Cristo cigars and Federal cigars uh, are each getting their own special releases of the Espana. Uh, a Belly Lance and a new Double Corona-ish Vitola for Casa de Monte Cristo. And yes, that is a uh, Bellicoso Lancero hybrid. Uh, I oh. believe 7.5 seven by 40 I think is the, uh, the size on that. I can check here before I finish talking. They should just call that a pencil. <laughs> they should, actually. Why not? Um, <laughs> we have a Demi Lance and now a Pencil Lance. Uh, 7 by 40, excuse me. And the Double Corona is 7 by 54. So, that's a big boy. Um, and, uh, let me get back to the show notes here. You know what that reminds me of? I, I haven't seen it, but I'm picturing in my head a Bellicoso Lancero of those dimensions reminds me of that 888 Añejo that Fuente just put out. Yeah, very similar too. 
Um, and uh, Federal Cigar is getting uh, this month's release of the Petite Bellicoso. Um, and if you recall, Quesada uh, does a monthly release. One shop in the country gets one cabinet of uh, one special Vitola every year. So two years ago it was the Lancero that went out to shops. Last year it was the Ninfa. This year it is the Petite Bellicoso. That, uh, those 12 cabinets are being made and sent to uh, that new shop once a month. So Quesada also announced that the regular Lancero will be released again to Stogies in Houston. These uh, are a special, special release, having been wrapped in actually a third band, specifically labeled H-Town. So uh, that will celebrate this shop's great success and very loyal following for the the uh, aforementioned Lancero Vitola, which also I would refer to just as a pencil, just an unsharpened pencil. How's that? Cool. I like it. Well, uh, a couple uh, Abanos news items here, kind of to bookend the conversation we started uh, last week for where we discussed Mr. Colin Ganley being nominated for the Man of the Year uh, Award. Those awards were um, given out last week. And uh, Gary Heathcock, it's, he's an American freelance writer, who uh, has major support for Cuban humanitarian aid, uh, as well as other Latin American nations. One for the communications category that Colin was uh, also nominated in. Uh, George Ferrios, I'm not sure the proper pronunciation, who owns and operates the Casa del Bono in Cyprus, uh, one in the business category. And I believe, though don't quote me on this, I believe he is also the owner of uh, Promo Cigar or Keep Lighting. Uh, those are a couple online uh, websites that also come out of Cyprus for unbanded uh, Cuban cigars. He won for the business category, um, business sales marketing, that uh, side of the uh, award. And uh, Rogelio Ortuzar, Rogelio Ortuzar, let's put it that way. He's a farmer who's been producing tobacco for more than 40 years, earned the nod for the production category. So. That comes courtesy of Cigar Aficionado. So that was uh, that was a bit of a downer for Colin, but uh, being his first time nominated and uh, in his 30s, he, he didn't exactly hold much hope for being awarded this, but uh, says that it's it's generally a necessity to be um, to be nominated uh, prior to winning. So hopefully this bodes well for him in the future, and if he continues with all the efforts and all the visits and contacts that he strives to make on a regular basis, I think it'll just be a matter of time before he is the winner. Uh, and as a matter of fact, he's actually heading back to Havana, uh, I believe, tonight for one of his cigar tourism trips. So if uh, if you happen to be somebody who's listening live to this right now and is uh, meeting up with Colin in Havana for his inaugural cigar tourism or uh, I guess the, the proper name for that company is Experience Cuban Culture, uh, his company that is hosting the tours in Cuba. Um, then I wish you well and hope you have a fantastic time this weekend and next week at uh, one of my bucket list locations. So, 
And finally, we have uh, a bit of a a bit of a whispered news item here that's in regard to the new um, Abanos and Yejaros, which are the uh, the two Vitolas released earlier uh, this month, I believe, or last month, pardon me, um, in which Abanos um, put out cigars that were aged prior to being released. So this is uh, a little bit more in line with the non-Cuban cigars, uh, where it's not too terribly uncommon for a cigar to be kept in an escaparate for a predetermined period of time prior to being uh, uh, boxed and sold. So I've got a little bit of a... I don't know if it's breaking news because it really isn't telling you anything that you, you won't read uh, elsewhere when you're looking at releases, but it just gets into a bit more detail as to what was unstated in a lot of those press releases and uh, uh, news articles. These Enejados aren't really anything special. They're they're just normal cigars that Abanos had been sitting on that had been in uh, one of their aging warehouses, and they just kind of said, you know what, we need to put something out. Let's, let's go through these cigars and see what we've got sitting around, see if we can... Uh, get another release out around the festival and lo and behold the Romeo y Julieta Torpedo and the first Monte Cristo Churchill to ever be produced uh, were born and slapped with a new band charged as a premium uh, at a premium excuse me and poof you have this uh, new style of release from Cuba so Thought that that was interesting and unfortunate that these were not a premium release. These were not made with special tobacco. These are just normal cigars that have been sitting around. And Abano said, "These are taking up space and not making us any money. Let's start selling them and come up with a good story." So that is unfortunate. Is there any kind of age statement on those in the way spirits would have? Uh, nothing as as specific as spirits, though the press release that Abanos put out said aged between five and eight years. Um, as with anything in the cigar industry, there's no real uh, governing body that is uh, policing that, and I don't know if I would believe it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, I'm just wondering why... I mean, Cuba has a reputation for maybe not holding cigars for that kind of time. Why would these be sitting around for that long? There was... I'll I'll leave it as a rumor um, that these were cigars produced at one point uh, with the hope that they could be sold specifically to the Cuba, the American market. Excuse me. Um, whether or not there's truth to that, I don't know. Or if someone just made mention that, hey, these would have been great for the American market if things would have opened up or would be opened up. Um, it's a traditional torpedo and a traditional Churchill. So, And with two of the most famous Cuban brands, um, it, <coughs> it appears as if that could be a, a valid hypothesis, but uh, I don't have any confirmation on that at this point. Hmm. Just two independent sources stating that uh, that seems to be the word on the street, but I would not say that that's officially verified. Right. <laughs> now I'm interested. Just because I'm curious. I did hear that uh, 
the Romeo uh, Eniados was actually a very, very good cigar. I heard that from two people. Now, that's not to say that uh, it isn't just a good regular production cigar because Lord knows there are a lot of them. But um, it, it, I did not hear great things about either of the Monte Cristos that uh, were essentially being uh, marketed at this year's festival. The Monte Cristo Churchill in Yehado, uh nor the Monte Cristo 80th which is an anniversary cigar celebrating that brand's uh, inception. So I, I'm a little, uh, I find that to be a little unfortunate. I love the Monte Cristo Marca, but... So theoretically, if you have these cigars in regular production that are five to eight years old, you got the same thing without the extra band on them? They don't exist. There is no Romeo, gotcha. Romeo and Juliet torpedo, nor is there a Monte Cristo church. That's, okay. Now I was having trouble lining out what the difference was there. Now I'm with you. No problem. Well, want to talk a little bit about this cigar? Yeah, I, I'll tell you what. We need to. This is uh, smoking faster than I expected it to. Yeah. My... I I have three and a half inches left. I have smoked three inches already in an hour. I have the same amount. Actually, exactly. That's, yeah, my burn line is right at three and a half. That never happens. I know. It's weird. Mine is a little bit, uh, a little bit tighter than normal. In draw. It was just a side comment. I was, I was thinking out loud. It's a tumor. <laughs> I mine is absolutely a perfect draw. Um, it's behaving wonderfully. I don't even think I've touched this up at all. I think it's uh, it has really kind of balanced out on the burn, not razor straight, but certainly um, as good as I would ever think that a cigar should be when it comes to the burn line. Um, <clears throat> it has not really. It has not really wowed me. Um, there have been some different moments when the complexity has shown through, as I had mentioned, kind of that citrus oil um, aroma was uh, a common flavor uh, for a part probably at the end of the first third. There's been some woody notes, a little bit of an ashy tendency, um, and some of that uh, bready sweetness in the first third, but that has died out. Uh, I, I'd say now that I'm getting a little bit of a, a, a peppery, spicy flavor with some wood undertones, maybe a little bit of leather, but nothing that's, it's not full flavored to me. It doesn't seem to be overly strong. It's kind of boring. Yeah, I don't know that I'm maybe quite as hard on it as you, not quite bored. And I mentioned I've had a, in its short life, I've had a checkered history with this cigar. I've gone from wild extremes, man, of where I just love it, and then others I just like, nah, kind of where you're at on it. Um, when they first came out, I adored them. I loved this cigar. And then by the time I got around to finally writing up a review, and I smoked a couple just specifically for that review and was like, hmm, it's okay, but just just like you said, it's not... There's nothing that's going to make me go out and, and load up a truckload of these things. I do think I want to go back and try that smallest size, which is still a 52 ring, but it's only, what was it, five, five and a half inches. So it's kind of a 
what is that, a Canyonazo or something? They call it the Conga um, 5x52, so I guess a fat Robusto. Because this is kind of a little much, and I agree, I, I don't, I, I don't find a lot of body to this cigar. It's not, you know, there's no big load of mouth filling smoke. It's not, I don't know. It's just, it's, it just needs a little more oomph, a little more hootspah to kind of put it over the top for me right now. It's a- it's a little dirty to me the the ashy flavor that I had mentioned. I I almost wonder if it needs to if this needs to settle down a little bit. That that ashy flavor is probably better described as um, polluting to my palate. I feel like the cigar itself is keeping me from tasting the cigar. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that I would personally have thought or perceived it as ashy even, but I it is kind of tannic to me where it's kind of flirting around with, uh, I, I don't even want to, I, I want to stop short of saying bitterness. It's not bitter, but it, it, I can feel what would become bitterness over time, and, and this is a pretty dang big cigar, so... I'm feeling like you know I'm I got three and a half inches left. I'm guessing in the next inch I'm probably going to be done with the cigar. Yeah, I I will. When we're done with the show, I'll be done with this cigar. I'll put it that way. Yeah. I you know I go back and forth with them. I don't know if I'm going to swing back to loving them again, but at the time I bought these crap as a show cigar. I was loving them, and again, when I subsequently did the review, I was I was no longer loving them. In fact, it's one of the lower scores of the reviews I've written since we put our numerical system in place. Hmm. I'm gonna pull the band off of there. Nonetheless, it is a cigar. Yes, it is a cigar. Well, what else you been smoking this week? I see we each only have one stick on here. Yeah, I uh, I put on. Gosh, I think I put this on the the forum. Um, either that or I typed it and never hit post. <laughs> um, but I have been having just a, a wicked busy week or two at work. I'm I'm closing a project next week, and uh, you know that always means extra hours punching out not sitting at my desk but on a job site uh, extensively so I have been uh, rather preoccupied with work the past two weeks um, and so that has drastically cut down my smoking time so I have one cigar to share here uh, and it uh, it happens to be a little bit of a special cigar not so much in in blend, but the size is not uh, a regular production. It's the Cro-Magnon Breuil. Brewy. Brewy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, It's the Panatella size. It was one of the uh, inclusions in the Panatella sampler that came out from Roma Craft last year. Um... I really should be harsher on this cigar based on what I've written, but you know, thinking about it as a whole, thinking about the experience, it wasn't that negative. It just wasn't positive. Um, the first thing that I've written down is that this is not my favorite Vitola in the line. Uh, 
Uh, and that is absolutely true. By a long shot, it's not my favorite Vitola. There are moments of that that beautiful spicy sweet profile where you're going to pick up notes from that that um, uh, broadleaf wrapper, but it, it seems somewhat. I say again, it seems somewhat ashy and overly peppery for my preference. Um, I, I don't think ashy is the right word there. It seemed overly <sighs> full-bodied. You know, it it was very easy to overwhelm your palate with this, if that made sense. Um, I don't know if the the proportion was a little off to my preference. Uh, to what I would want out of this blend, if maybe they they you know had an extra quarter leaf of something uh, that threw off that ratio, but it, it's just not the best offering to me. I I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think this cigar needs a little bit larger ring gauge to really show its true colors. Huh? Yeah, that sounds weird coming from you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I remember a time back in the 90s when Panatellas were all the rage for a period of time. I know you don't remember that. You were like seven years old. Oh, it might not have even been. <laughs> well, let's see. I got one cigar on here as well. <clears throat> um, and I actually had the chance to go hang out with a couple of guys uh, who frequent our chat room, which was pretty cool. I'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, while I was there, I uh, met up with uh, Frankie, who's in the chat room tonight, and Swede, who's in the chat room tonight, and Zacanudo, who's not, uh, down at a cigar shop. Uh, Swede spends half his time here local to me and half up close to you, actually, in Chicago. He's a snowbird. And Zacanudo was my buddy who lives close by, and then, of course, Frankie was down for, for vacation the past few weeks. But uh, anyway, we met up at a shop hung out for the evening, and I grabbed a couple of Room 101 Big Paybacks, which I had not tried. These came out several months ago and were named the Payback because they were paying back their supporting customers and by giving them a, a good cigar at an inexpensive price. And I'm try- I had one. I don't recall the exact dimensions. I didn't really research it. It was roughly a Robusto. Uh, went for 479 here, which is pretty good price. Um a real good price. Yeah, but you know, I, I lit up the first one. It was underfilled, had kind of a squishy head on it that was just lopsided. I, I never, <laughs> it looked like it, it. I don't know what happened. It didn't. It didn't fill the mold when they were putting it in. Um, flavors were pleasant enough. I did have to smoke it you know, kind of carefully. I said with kid gloves. It, it was, you know, the burn was a little wonky. I may be willing to try these a time or two after that first one at 479. I certainly, you know, if I encountered them at six bucks or more, I'd, I'd pass on them. It had a what I called in the notes a healthy but manageable spice. Had a really entertaining core set of flavors. Had a lot of black tea and leather in it. Uh, the finish I called wonky. It was long lasting, but but at times between puffs, it was almost papery kind of taste that that. Could be off-putting a little bit at the time, at times, but uh, and then I, I added an edit because I actually typed up these notes while I was smoking that first one. That in the final third, it was just like I'd hit an asbestos filter. It didn't want to stay lit for nothing. I, I I didn't have the opportunity to even finish it. I couldn't keep it lit long enough that to do anything. 
Um, I did subsequently smoke the second one that I bought. It was markedly better. It behaved better. It, it was properly packed. Um, still may or may not be reluctant to, to buy more. You know, I don't know that I will or not, but uh, we'll see. If I do, uh, I do. Hmm. Certainly not going to kill myself to go buy a box of them, even at four seventy nine a piece. I might try one or two more just to see how it goes, but unless something radically good happens with them, I don't know that, that that's a cigar for me. <laughs> I just clicked back over to the chat room, and Officer Paul has an interesting comment. Do you know what that's in response to? No idea. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know why. You were, you were like seven years old in the 90s, I guess. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I was smoking cigars in the 90s. I just wasn't smoking cigars in 1994. Agree. I'm married in 94. <laughs> I was in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wasn't long out of high school. I got married in 94, but I'm from Tennessee. <laughs> we get married in <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. man, oh man, I love, I, I love uh, when you can get together with a group of guys, and sometimes even when you have a crappy cigar, it's still a good time. So uh, maybe you want to talk a little bit about that evening. Actually, I was not smoking that that big payback that night. I smoked it afterward. That, that's just what I bought while I was there. I got a couple of those big paybacks. I, I miss smoking. Uh, I um, I had two cigars there. I don't remember what the first one was. I had a. Uh, a Tatuahe Black Corona Gordo I was there, and it was delicious. I was, man, that's a good cigar. But anywho, as I mentioned, I did have the opportunity to uh, to go hang out in a cigar shop with uh, Swede, uh, Swede214 in the chat room, Zacanudo and Frankie99, all at the same time. It was kind of cool to have four guys that we knew we had some common ground. You know, We kind of knew each other. Uh, I know Zacanudo well, but... Um, you know, Frank was down visiting from the Great White North. <laughs> What's he? Uh, it's a Manitoba, I think he's from. I don't remember exactly. I'm not a, not as up on my Canadian geography as I ought to be, probably. But uh, anyway, we finally made it work to to get together before he had to head out of town. And I've said this many times before uh, that I I love the community. Uh, built around cigars and, and you know the industry itself and just the enjoyment of cigars and and that's a huge part of why I wanted to even do this show and and I love being able to 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 get together with uh, you know with with these guys that we may only know each other through a typewritten screen otherwise but uh, it's really cool to sit in the same room and hang out for a couple hours and have a cigar too. Nothing like it. Mm-mm. We've got a uh, what I hope is going to continue to be a monthly gathering here with uh, some boys at a local shop. And man, oh man, I I drive 45 minutes to get there, and and I have a cigar on the way, and sit down in the group of guys and have a blast, laugh my butt off, get bruised a time or two from people slapping your shoulder after a good joke, that sort of a thing. But uh, Man, I just—it's the the last bastion of uh, manhood in this nation. <laughs> that in a baseball park. 
Yeah, the last stronghold against the wussification of America. <laughs> there you go. Mm-mm-mm. Well, we um actually just talked about this cigar, but uh, got any final notes about it other than what we've already said to to disparage it? <laughs> I I'm disappointed by this cigar more than anything. It, it's not not a bad cigar. It doesn't uh, it doesn't make me feel like I need to go scrape my tongue with an anvil or on an anvil for the next hour to try to you know get rid of the flavor. It's it's far from that. It's just it's just a cigar that uh, it's just a cigar. You know, it, it's nothing special. It's not something I would um, go uh, seek. Excuse me, seek out unless the next example or two that I smoke um, really change this opinion that I've formed, but uh, I don't know. Um, had some similarities to the Airbender in the beginning, really didn't stick out to me as being uh, having a common thread of all the LFDs. Uh, I'd say that it did taste Dominican and it did taste like it had some strength to it or some some harder flavors to it in the beginning, which I would attribute to being uh, an LFD-type cigar, but almost just generic. You know, I really do think that my my final uh, thoughts on this are, are that if you've got some, don't be afraid to sit on them until uh, 2016. Give them a year. See how they, they blossom a little bit. I think they could take some maturation. There's There's something there. And the fact that the first third into the second um, had a little bit more complexity and some softer flavors and some balance tells me that that maybe the cigar just needs to round out a touch. And another year, you might get a better picture of what the tobacco really has in store. That's that's probably my final word on this. I, not a good experience, but not a bad experience. Just uh, just uh, another cigar we're smoking for the show. Yeah, and i, I got to throw in one more note here just in the last few minutes since the last time we talked about it. This one has gotten noticeably more tart, almost lemony. Uh, kind of backed off of that, <clears throat> what I was saying was approaching a bitterness, and, and it kind of injected a little sweetness back into it, so it comes across as tart rather than bitter. And I'm enjoying that. Uh, still, this one is not wowing me. I would love to try this blend in something a little smaller, maybe like a 46 or 48 ring cigar, just to just to see. And I'm I'm weird that way, but yeah, I, I'm. I think this actually may be the last one I had on hand, so I don't know that I'll replace it. And I know for the same price, I can replace it with something known that I that I know enjoy. But some point down the road, I may just do that. Huh, excuse me. Apparently the cigar is boring me. I just yawned. <laughs> no, of course that's uh of course that's just a ruse, just farce. You know, I do have to also say the code draw on this this specific this cigar, not this line, not these cigar, this cigar was the the code draw was really earthy and musty, almost like a dank basement. And I never got any of that at any point in the smoke. It, it didn't come through for me. I was surprised or have been surprised by that. 
that's interesting. That's a that's a really unfortunate aroma off the cold draw. I, I, I don't know if I've ever had a cigar that smelled like that or had uh, kind of that uh, scary front end that didn't end up having a little bit of it through uh, the experience. So that's that's a good thing, but really unique. Yeah, I'm intrigued. Huh. Well, you have a decision to make before next week. I do. I noticed that uh, that that is on me. Let me pull out my handy dandy list, and uh, I think that with all this Quesada talk, next week we are going to smoke. We are going to smoke one third of one percent of all the Quesada ninfas in existence. <laughs> One third of one percent. Okay. Or two thirds of one percent. If uh, if you have your second before the show, I need to get back in a pattern of doing that so I can talk a little more intelligently about what we're smoking. So I will make every effort to do so this week. Well, I think after you light up that first, you're going to be happy that you've done that because they uh, they are very special special cigars. You may need to have it in a light wind, uh, high concentration type experience so you don't let it go out very often. But if you do, I think you're going to really enjoy it. Cool. I'm looking forward to it. You have set a pretty high bar for this cigar, so I hope it I hope it does well. Mm. Well, I know I'll enjoy it at least, so I'll get uh, a, a little bit of fun out of it, even if you don't. <laughs> cool. Are we ready to wrap up this bad boy? I think this bad boy is officially done. Cool. Well, folks, we uh, certainly do still, again, every week appreciate you tuning in, whether you're here live in the chat room tonight or listening to the downloads throughout the week or in the future at some point. Um, if you want to tune back in next week, same time, same place, halfash.com, we... Uh, Broadcast here live every week, and uh, we'll be glad to have you to join us in the chat room. But in the meantime, if you want to get a hold of us, you can contact us through email at craig at halfashed.com or kip at halfashed.com. We'd love to hear from you. Love to get your uh, comments, concerns, compliments, criticisms, whatever you got, throw it at us. We, we do love to hear from you either way. Um, if you have unbanded submissions you would like to send in for our future unbanded segments, you can get us at those emails and we'll connect you with an address to send it to. Or if you have a suggestion, you can send that to info at halfashed.com, which will go to my wife and she will take care of sourcing the cigars and unbanding them for us so we'll be none wiser. And uh, come check out the new landing page. Tell me, uh, tell me what's wrong with it. Love to hear that from you too. <laughs> we take all kinds of input. Uh, and you can also find the two of us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, as always, at the forum at Half Ashed. I'd uh, love to have you over there, too. It's kind of a, a fun little community we got going on. We're all learning from each other and having a good time in the process. And uh, love to have you over there, too. Yes, I. Uh, after I finish my rather unfortunately timed yawn, I'll, uh, I'll say that I... I am looking forward to getting back over to Half Ash. It's been 
half-assed forum, excuse me. It's been an unfortunate week and a half since I've been uh, less active and mostly absent. I need my my regular half-assed time, baby. I miss that. Well, just uh, certainly want to give a personal thank you to everybody who's listening to the show who gives us an hour, hour and a half of their own time uh, throughout the week on Friday nights, whenever it may be that you're listening. It's fun for us. We hope it's fun for you. And uh, by all means, tune in again in the future. We have we have talked about it uh, previously, but big things are coming for Half Ash. We're gonna have a what what seems to be a very very interesting uh, latter part of this year. It's, it should be pretty darn cool. So stick around for that. Stick around for the the interviews and new topics that we've certainly got coming up in the the coming weeks and months and. Most importantly, we want to say good night, everybody, and thanks for listening. Uh-huh.